We've been talking about the only God stuff. The things that only God can do. And we've talked about several of them so far. Uh, We've talked about that only God can light the fire and Spirit can work inside people. Um, There are times that we try to be the Holy Spirit and we try to ignite a fire inside somebody else. It just doesn't work. We've talked about the fact that only God blesses. And we took a look at the Beatitudes and we took a look at what God blessed. And it was so different than the things that we think should be blessed. God's economy (laughs) is so different than ours. And we talked last week about the fact that only God loves everyone. Which is pretty amazing because not any of us do that. We have this ability to love some. And if we're honest, we love them even a bit conditionally. And yet God loves everyone. And today we've been singing about this presence of God. And how wonderful the presence of God is. And here's the reality. Is only God is always here. That's reality. He's always present. He's never not there. And yet we experience in life for many different reasons the, in, the fallibility of humanity and the fact that there are times that we need people and they're just not there for us. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had that experience where you were counting on somebody and they didn't show up? You had that experience? And sometimes when we have that experience enough, we take that human trait of our fallibility and we give it to God. But God's Word says that He is always present. In fact, there's a theological term that goes with that, and it's His omnipresence. The fact that, (coughs) well, Wayne Grudem defines it like this. He says, God does not have size or spatial dimension and is at present at every point of space with His whole being Yet God acts differently in different spaces. God is everywhere at the whole time. But this is different than people who think that, well, I worship the God of nature. No, that's different. That's saying God is in everything all the time. Pantheism. That's very much different from the God that we worship. The God that we worship is everywhere all the time. But we need to have a picture of this. What does this picture of God being everywhere all the time look like? How, how do we decide what that looks like? How do we picture God's presence, the fact that He is here all the time? The psalmist does a great job of this, and he does it in Psalm 139. And the first part of that picture that he shows us is that God is always here, and it, it is personal. God's just not here kind of showing up as a monitor. You know, have you ever been to a store and you needed help? And there are salesmen there, but they pretend you're not there. Have you ever had that experience? You've also also had the other experience where you walk into the store and the person comes up to you right away and says, can I help you? And you say, no, I'd like to just look around. And then they follow you everywhere. Have you had that experience before too? Yeah, they think you're a shoplifter. Um, Listen to what he says about his personal sense of being here. This is how the psalmist described it in Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Isn't that cool? God gets us. Isn't that it? Have you ever had somebody, and the longer you talk, you just got this really great idea that they have no idea what you're talking about. And no matter how many times you try to explain it, they still don't know what you're talking about. 
because they just don't get you and they don't know you. Have you ever had that experience? Sometimes we're married to that experience. Um, but, but God knows us and He gets where we're coming from. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up and you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God gets us, and He understands us, and He knows us. He goes on in verse 5 and says this, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. God's presence is personal, and He's personally interested in us. In Matthew, I believe it's chapter 11, He's talking about that sparrows don't fall without God being aware of it. And then in the next line, he says this. He says, for even the hairs on your very head are numbered. Now, for some of us, the numbers are changing. (laughs) But God knows where we're at in the count. God is concerned about the smallest little details of who we are and loves us completely. God's love is personal. He isn't the God that's far away. He's the God that's very close. That's something that we need to understand about the God that is here. But in the Psalms, he talks about more than that. It says that God is always here and he is inescapable. There's no way to kind of get away from God. In verse 7, he says this. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take up the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall take a hold of me. goes on to say, If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light will be, the light will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the light is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. There is no place that we can think that we can go to the no God zone, that we can hide from God, that we can feel like, you know, and there are people that talk about, I just don't feel like God is very close. And he's like going, I'm here. I've had to retrain myself to not pray for God's presence to be at things because in saying that, it's like God's going, well, that's a dumb thing to pray. You know, that's like, having somebody standing at the screen door and you say come in and they're already in and you keep on saying come on in we need to understand that god's presence is inescapable there's no place that we can ever be that god isn't there's no situation that we'll find ourselves that god is not in that situation it it should be a comfort to you that first of all he's personally interested you in space and second of all there's no space that he that you're outside of god There are some people that feel like that. They feel like they've fallen out of the presence of God and that is impossible because God is always here and only God is always here. It's inscapable. Here's another interesting thing is that there's never been a time that God isn't here. In fact, I think it's interesting that in some of the transitions that you find in Scripture, that one of the things that one generation is trying to tell the next generation is the reality that God is here. We see this in the life of Moses. In the end of the book of Deuteronomy, 
God has made it clear. He's met with, with Moses on Mount Nebo and said, you don't get to go into the promised land. Of all the different places that I went to when I was on my trip to Israel the last year, a couple of years ago, <coughs> that was probably the most meaningful place to me. To stand on top of Mount Nebo, near probably where Moses stood, and to have heard those words from God, I reached down and I grabbed a rock from the top of Mount Nebo. I'm pretty sure Moses didn't touch it, but same proximity. And it's in my office. Because I never want God to say that to me. There's a place you don't get to go. But he's at the end of his life, and, and, and he's at the end of this epoch, because see, God is always here in every epoch. So in Deuteronomy chapter 31, he says this, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the God who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. He wanted, Moses wanted Joshua to understand that he wasn't dragging God along on the journey, but that God would already be there on the journey. In fact, it's interesting that God talks to Joshua just a couple chapters later in the Bible, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, and what does he say? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This verse is quoted again in the book of Hebrews to us in chapter 13, verse 5, where God says to us through the writer, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. God has been present in every epoch of time. And he is present today in the epoch that we're in. So, where is the here that God has been? It's fun to take a look at Scripture. I'll just give you a couple reminders of the where is the here that he's been. He was with Moses in the wilderness. First, when he ran into the wilderness and he had the burning bush experience. But then as he led the nation, God was always with Moses, wasn't he? Even as they wandered in the wilderness, God was always there. His presence was seen in a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, but He was always there. The God was always there. We've already said that He was where, there with Joshua as He entered into the promised land. As He went over and over again through Scripture, told Joshua to be strong and courageous. It was God who parted the waters. It was God who was there. Um, Joseph experienced it. When he was in Egypt, didn't he? Even when he was in slavery, God was there. God was taking care of the promises that he made to Abraham through Joseph, who had been treated really poorly. When Joseph was in prison, God was there. When he was in Potiphar's house, he was there. When he was in the Pharaoh's house, he was there. And he saved the nation of Israel, all that little group of 45 to 60 people. Because God was there. Not only was He there then, but we read on in Scripture, and God was with Gideon, wasn't He? God was with Gideon when he was hiding in the wine press. And the angel came to him. 
And he was so afraid of what was going on with the Midianites. And God was there as he pared down the army to 300 men. God was with him. And when he took the camp, God was with him. In fact, God loved Gideon so very much that although Gideon started as a non-courageous man, he allowed Gideon to share in his victory because he, from the very beginning, called him a mighty warrior. Where is God? Well, David would tell you in the Psalm 23, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. There was never a time. And for him, probably the valley of the shadow of death was in Gedi, where he was running from the, the present king who was trying to kill him because he was going to be king. But God was with him. He wasn't just with him. He was with Daniel. Where was he with Daniel? He was with Daniel all through his life. When he was willing to stand up for God instead of stand with the culture that he became a part of in Babylon to the point that, there was a, that he was thrown into the lion's den, wasn't he? But God was there and the lions were there and they weren't very hungry. You know, there are going to be times in our lives that we feel like we're in the pit with the lions. There's other going to be times where we feel like we're running in the desert away from somebody in Engedi. There are going to be times where the task in front of us seems so huge and we feel like we're standing on the precipice of the promised land and we can't imagine how God will ever give it to us. And in each one of these areas, in the same way He was there in the Word of God, He will be there with us. In fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found out that God was there, didn't they? We love to tell this story to kids, but this is a story we need to hear as adults. They wouldn't bow down, and the king told them that, that if they didn't bow down, they said that our God will save us either from the fire or he will save us and we will be with him in eternity. And it's interesting because they were thrown into the fire, and the men that threw them into the fire were consumed by the fire that they threw them into. But all of a sudden, they looked into the fire, and what did they see? How many were in the fire? Four were in the fire. Because God was with them in the fire. You're going to have times in your life where you're going to feel like you're in the furnace. The heat's going to be on. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be praying to God for air conditioning. And you're going to wonder what's going on. And you might even say, where are you, God? And then you're going to turn and you're going to look next to you and He's going to be right there with you in the fire. Because that's where God is. He's in the fire. Elijah. Elijah is an interesting one because he was the one that went against the prophets of Baal in, in 1 Kings 18 and 19. And when he went against the prophets of Baal, God did work this amazing miracle through his life. And the fire came down from heaven and consumed even the stones of the altar that he had created. But then the next scene of him in the next chapter is him running. And he's afraid. And it says, and he ran around a place called Mount Horeb. And you know what? In the same way God was with him in Carmel in that incredible victory, God was with him in his depression and in his frustration and his fear and his anger on Mount Horeb. You know, some of you have experienced those moments 
like Mount Carmel where God does these miracles. But then all of a sudden something else will come into life and you don't mean it to, but it sweeps you off your feet. Have you had that experience where you've seen the victory of God? Yay, God, you're doing incredible things. And then right after it, you feel like you get a kidney punch and you're going, you know, and that's your experience. That's what Elijah felt like. And even when he was sucking air, even when he fell from his feet, even when he forgot what God had just done, God was there. Some of you might be going through spiritual amnesia right now. You're forgetting what God has already done. You're forgetting how he's already been there. You're just overwhelmed by the thing that is now. But Scripture tells us, and God promises, that He is always here. You know, when I originally wrote the sermon, I, I, I said God is always there. But that means that He did something in the past. And I changed it to God is always here because I want you to understand that God's presence is now. He's here now. Not just in the past. So as we look on in this, we do see that there is one exception where God was not there. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 4, verse 46, it says, When Jesus was on the cross at about the ninth hour, he cried out with a loud voice saying, Ella, Ella, lama shabachathon, then I. That is, my God, my God, Why? Have you forsaken me? The only time in history that God was not there, we caused. Were the reasons that moment happened in history. In that moment, Jesus Christ took on all of our disobedience and all of our disregard for God, all of our unwillingness to obey Him. All of our disobedience, He took all of that on. And when He was on the cross, there for a moment, God the Father was not there. The only break of God's presence in all of history was out of His love for us so that we could be in real relationship in His presence. That's why He did that. That's why He died on the cross for each one of us is so that we could have relationship with the God who was there for a moment He had to leave so that we could be with Him. Isn't that interesting? That's the only break. The only time where there's this sever. The only time where the presence of God changed. But if you read on in the Scripture, it says that they started having this whole discussion about why He was saying what He was saying. And then somebody gave Him something to drink. And it says, and then He, he said His last and He breathed His last and He died. And the last thing that He said, if you read all the Gospels, is this. Father, into Your arms I commit My Spirit. And he was back in the presence of God. And at that moment, something happened. At that moment, something happened in 
history that changed everything. At that moment, all of a sudden, everything that they'd already learned about Judaism was done. Because it says that the temple, the place where God dwelled in the Holy of Holies, and the curtain that was there, it says that the temple for the Holy of Holies was rent from top to bottom. Because God was telling us something. He was telling us that no longer did we have to go to a special place that we could be in relationship with Him and our lives themselves could contain the presence of God. It's not more that it, it, it changes everything because it's not about God being around us. It's about God living in us. That's where His presence can be. But that's a decision that you need to make. I don't know where you're at in that. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I see a lot of you. I've seen your faces many times before, but I don't know where you're at in making this decision about Jesus Christ. Have you decided that you need a Savior? Or are you just living on the presence that everybody else has with God? You know, one of the scariest things is to somehow watch people in close relationship see that relationship change or sever, and all of a sudden the other person in the relationship that seemed as committed as this one just isn't committed anymore. And you come to realize that they didn't have their own commitment to the Lord. You have to decide. It's a personal decision. You have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. If you've never asked Him to be your Savior, it's as simple as a prayer where you ask Him to be your Savior and to forgive you from your sins. Because although God is everywhere, He can't be in you and He can't have relationship with you until you ask Jesus to be your personal Savior. It just can't happen. But when that does happen, this is what Romans says about that relationship. You see, God always being there can bring victory in any circumstance. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation separate us? No. Or distress? Shall persecution or famine? Shall nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sleep, as sheep. To the slaughter. Look at that list again. And then add the other things in your life that sometimes you feel like separate you from God. What can separate you from God? You feel like you're in the fire right now? Are you in the pit right now? Do you feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death right now? Are you going through something that's hard and distressful that you feel like is going on forever and may never end? Can that separate you from the love of God? No. In fact, it says this as you read on in that passage. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You feel defeated? No. In all things... It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say certain things. You probably should take that word in your Bible and you should circle it. All things. We are more than conquerors. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, or rulers, nor the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because see, the presence of God matters because built into the presence of God is a relationship with Jesus Christ that we can have. God's presence matters because it can be personal by us asking Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior. In fact, not only is there a hope for now, but there's also a hope for the future. It defines, God being here defines future, but the thing that's so cool about the future is God's presence is going to be different in the future. Sometimes when I talk about God being here, there are certain people that think I have an imaginary friend because they can't see him. I know he's here. I know that what he's done in my life. I know the difference that he makes, but they can't see him. But in the future, in Revelation, it describes things this way. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and new earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And then it goes on to say a verse we love, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. All the things that somehow make us think that we are separated from God will disappear and we'll be in the physical presence of God and we'll see Him. Isn't that awesome? That's what we have going for us as we look forward to our future. I don't know what's going on in your life. As I was praying about this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came to mind. And I was wondering if the reason that it came to mind is because there are some of you that feel like you're going through the fire and you need to know that God is in the midst of the fire. I don't know what God needs to say to you about His presence today. I don't know if you need to be reminded that it's personal, that it's inescapable, that it's in every epoch, that that it is to bring us victory and that it defines our future. I, I don't know which part of that you need, but I'm thankful that God is always there. And we've sung about that today. Have you noticed that all the music kind of fits today? Wow, Charlie, that was kind of amazing. (laughs) And the reason those songs bring us hope is because of the truth that lies inside of them. Height nor depth nor anything else can separate us 
from the love of God, you've always been on my side. So let me talk one more of those to you who have never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. I think today could be your day. In just a second, we're going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to encourage you to pray that prayer along with me. If you pray that prayer, it's a simple prayer, but the Word of God makes it clear that if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, John 1.12, you become a child of God. It's, It's a very simple thing. And for the rest of you, I don't know why you need to be reminded of God's presence today, what situation in your life you're going through that you need to know about God's presence, but I want you to know that it's, it's impossible for him to not be there for you. And his goal in being there for you isn't so you can just get by. His goal in being there for you is so that you can experience victory. That's his goal. So think about that situation where you're struggling and say, God, I'm not sure how you're going to do this, but somehow there's victory in this for me. Your presence can bring victory to whatever Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or David or Moses or Joshua or whatever experience you're having. Because that's His goal. His call to you is to be strong and courageous because I will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank You that You're always there, that You're mighty and that You're powerful. and You can help us overcome any situation or any circumstance in life. I thank You that Your presence is so personal and that You care about each of us. And I thank You that the only break ever in Your presence was because of Your love for us and Your Son's willingness to die for us. Now, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I'm going to pray just a couple of simple words, and if you repeat those after me, those are the words that you say to begin your relationship with the Lord. You don't have to say them out loud. You can just say them in your heart, but they go like this. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. I ask You to be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Help me have a great relationship with you. Amen. You prayed that prayer today. You began your relationship with the Lord. And there's a little yellow card right here in the pew. If you'll fill that out and hand that to me or or someone else, we would love to talk to you about that decision that you've made today. But for the rest of you, I hope that you'll see that God has victory planned for whatever you're going through in your life. And that the God of David and, and, and all of these different people that we've mentioned today is the same God that wants to meet you in whatever crisis you're going through and help you find the victory that only He can give. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to ask the prayer.